This is episode 251 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life. Today's articles are 7 Techniques for Catching Fish in a Survival Situation, Dealing with Diabetes When the Stuff Hits the Fan, and Conflicted, Mercy on the Dying. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, before we get started, you can make sure that you get the Prepper Website Podcast delivered to your preferred device without fail. We make it very easy for you to subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or any other podcast network. And if you do feel you are receiving value from the podcast, we do appreciate your kind reviews. Speaking of reviews, I did receive a review uh, just recently. And, you know, the way I, it took me a little while for, for me to understand how this works. But iTunes has, I guess, a, a bunch of different versions of iTunes for the different countries that it's in. And so if I look at just the American iTunes or you know, United States version of iTunes, I don't see all the reviews and all the, you know, all the other uh, five-star reviews and, and, you know, comments that people have made and all those kinds of things. Now, I do have a, a, an ability in my hosting to be able to see all those. So sometimes it's kind of weird. I'll see something pop up and I'm like, well, well wait a minute. I, you know, I didn't realize that this was here or, or I didn't realize that it, there was a, a comment or a review, but it's coming from another country. And so this one is actually coming from uh, Australia, and it was uh, Aussie Bob. So I just want to give a shout out to uh, to you, Bob, for uh, leaving some kind words here for me, and uh, do really appreciate it. It does it does make my day. It does really help me out a whole lot, uh, you know, because sometimes you, you're out here just kind of doing it, and uh, you, you wonder like, hey, are people really listening? And I know people are listening because of the downloads and all that kind of stuff. But uh, it's always great to, to hear from people through email, through social media, uh, on the Facebook group, and then also to uh, definitely get these reviews. The reviews and the, you know, the five-star reviews and the comments really helps to drive uh, the message out there, So especially on iTunes. So if you're listening on iTunes, we really do appreciate that because uh, iTunes sees that as you know a podcast that's worthy to... Uh, put in front of people and so more people will see that so i uh, greatly appreciate that and uh, again uh thanks bob for uh putting that uh th- those kind of words down on uh on itunes so really really appreciate that well i'm sure you've heard by now that there was uh, a massive shooting in florida at a high school and so an uh, an ex-student or an expelled student i've read both uh, you know, showed up and, uh, you know, he killed 17 people. And uh, that's just, that that is just wrong, so wrong on so many levels. And uh, so our hearts go out to the families and to the, you know, the students and, uh, you know, that community down there in South Florida that's having to deal with this. Now, uh, of course, you know, there's already uh, some people talking about, you know, that always happens when this happens, you know, gun control and stuff like that. So we, we will definitely see that, uh, but not as much as as before. Uh, you know, I saw on Twitter, uh, I actually, I thought it was great, you know, Kim Kardashian, and I don't, I don't follow her, and I actually, I think someone that I do follow, so maybe it was, uh, 
it was a news organization liked somebody else's. But anyway, so it was uh, Kim Kardashian had said, we need to, uh, you know, prayers are not enough. Prayers won't do it. Uh, of course, I'm a person that believes that prayer is very powerful. But nevertheless, she says prayers won't do it. We need action. We need, you know, action now. And someone, uh, you know, tweeted her and or I guess retweeted and commented on her tweet and said, do your bodyguards carry guns you know is this like hey you don't want people to have guns but you do want your bodyguards the people that take care of you to have guns so i think someone who i follow a news organization or some somebody along those lines probably uh, retweeted that one and uh, so i thought it was you know very clever that people are out there right away not even playing games with these people it's like, uh, you know, this is not, guns are not the issue. It's, there's other issues there. So again, please keep uh, South Florida and everyone involved in this shooting uh, in your prayers. Uh, definitely, I'm sure we're going to hear more about this situation uh, throughout the, the day and throughout the weekend. Uh, definitely. So uh, we'll keep those people in our prayers. Um, let's go ahead and move into our first article of the podcast our first article of the podcast comes to us from theprepperjournal.com, and the article is entitled Seven Techniques for Catching Fish in a Survival Situation. In full disclosure, I'm, I am just not a fisherman. Uh, I just I've never really got into to fishing, and so maybe that was uh, just uh, I didn't have good experiences with it or whatever. Uh, I had an uncle who passed away before I, I was the age of you know that I would have gone with him. Uh, but he had a deep sea fishing boat and he would go out and I think I've talked about that before in the past where they would come back with fish and, uh, you know, they would uh, go ahead and, and, and gut them and clean them and do all that kind of stuff and, and you know, put them in the freezer uh, over at the house. And uh, but I never got the, the chance to go out with them uh, and this one because this one is specific to uh, techniques for catching fish in a survival situation. So this uh, article applies to all of us if we ever think we might be in some sort of survival situation. So let's start reading. Have you ever been in a situation whereby there is no food left and fishing for your next meal is a possibility? In this context, survival fishing refers to the kind of fishing done in order to save yourself and your loved ones from starvation. You may indeed experience such during emergencies and being off the grid without the luxuries of good equipment is a real possibility. Things break. There are several ways of doing it, although most of them are illegal in most countries. Such techniques include fish wear, fish poisoning, basket trap, gorge hooks, hand line fishing, fishing spears, and hand fishing. So, they are presented here for your information. The first one is gorge hooks. In this technique, bait is made using a sharply pointed thorn or a sharp bone from that small animal you ate yesterday, or last Thursday, or who remembers, but you kept some bones. The object is to get the fish to swallow the bait and be unable to dislodge the thorn or bone and to be reeled in. Cruel? Depends on your situation and where one stands in the food chain. Can you imagine your children being hungry for over 24 hours, 48 hours, more? Immediately after placing gorge hooks in the water, hopefully the bait is swallowed. Then you must be patient. If you don't feel immediate hard pulling, wait and let out more line. You want to set the bait when it is deep in the digestive tract as opposed to the mouth. To maximize your chance for successful survival fishing, use a gourd hook. There should be a net waiting so you need to grab just to grab the fish to the net and snag it. 
that way as opposed to betting that the thorn or bone will not fail against the weight and pull of the fish. This way you will avoid disappointments. The fish weir. You can make a weir using many different things from sticks and rocks to a big funnel around a place where flowing waters narrow to drive the fish towards a trap or even a dam you have created. The weir directs the fish towards the trap you have set, be it a net or whatever. How you lay the traps depends on your creativity and fishing experience and the things you have on hand. So there's a couple of pictures here that are very uh, interesting. You might want to check those out. On the other hand, you can also construct temporary ones using sand or mud. You can also use a weir and take the fish with a spear. In spear fishing, once the target fish has been caught up in the trap, it's then easy to spear them. With net fishing, you will simply need to lay your net directly after the weir. This will easily lead the fish into the net and all you have to do is pull them out. Hand line fishing. All you need is bait, a line, and a hook. In order to catch the fish, you will have to cast the hand line in the water with a hook. Once the hook gets the fish, you can then pull it out using your hands. This works best in place where you have observed fish and does not work without both practice and patience. And there's a nice little picture here of what uh, hand fishing might look like as far as what kind of uh, equipment. It's just kind of like a spool of fish, um, but it looks like it's something that was put together for this purpose. Simply get a good fishing line from someplace like Cast King Braid, a decent hook and some bait. This is actually an experience anyone who is passionate about fishing would love to try, but again, it is illegal in most states. In one of those basic methods that a beginning angler can really learn the art of casting, and you would be surprised by the kind of catch the technique would give. This method is also a good way to engage the mind and learn the importance of positioning of your line and how to make a repeatable cast. All right, this next one is fish poisoning. And this one has in parentheses, read all of this part, please. So apparently there's some information here you don't want to just scan. So uh, we'll be careful about this one here. A poison for the fish can be made by crushing leaves of some specific plants. The leaves will release some juices that you then pour in the water. Components found in the juice will kill or shock fish. Such a technique should be employed in very high emergencies and with an understanding of the possible side effects. The perfect place where such a technique could effectively work is manageable pools and still water. However, while the technique can still work well in rivers and even large water channels, we strongly recommend against it for all the obvious reasons and it is prompted my question below. The editor's query about the fish poisoning system. Do you have a specific mix that will work? If so, what? The plants to use during survival fishing vary in terms of the techniques to employ. Some plants will only require you to take a few leaves and throw them in the water. Once the fish smell their scent, they become inactive and float on the water. Your, your job is simply picking them up with your hands. For others, you will need to crush the leaves before putting it into the water to catch the fish. Once the fish takes it in the mix, then it becomes inactive. You can then go for it. Examples of plants to use in this kind of technique include, and guys, I'm just going to tell you right here, these words I have never, ever seen before. And I even tried to look them up in the dictionary. And there is, a, the dictionary was like, was returning, uh, you know, like word not found or whatever. So I'm, I'm going to murder these words. And I'm just going to tell you that it's going to be bad. But uh, if you're really interested in getting some more information, doing some Google searches, you're going to have to come to the article. 
So I'm going to try it just for the sake of, uh, so for some fun, I guess. So you can make fun of me. But <laughs> here it goes. Uh, the first one is Tefrosiva Jelly. The second one is Adineola Bat. The third one is Mandela Saracia. And the fourth one is Nero Tanania. Man, I'm just telling you, it is like <laughs> it's words that I've never seen before. So anyway, uh, I did look, try to look some of them up, and it was like the dictionary is like, uh, yeah, that's not even a word. So anyway, um, I don't know. Maybe doing more of a Google search will bring these up, so you can find out specifically uh, what <laughs> what they are. Uh, there is one uh, picture here, and so I don't even know which one that is, and so I might have to do some Google searching myself on this one. Uh, but it's very, very interesting here. Uh, so you might be, if you are a fisherman or you're interested in, or you go out into the woods and you go into places where, uh, you know, you find little ponds and rivers and stuff like that, you might want to uh, look into this. So how does this dissipate so you don't kill fish once you've moved on? For you to ensure that the remaining fish remain safe after exhausting the catch you will need, you can opt to remove the leaves from the water. This can only work if you use the leaves without crushing them. If you use this method in running water, then you will have to create barriers to control the flow of water. Obstacles or barriers are temporarily put in the running water to prevent the flowing water from washing away the poison. Once you are through with fishing, you can then remove the barrier to allow the water to run again. This way, the poison will become diluted and be washed away, making the water safe. Is the poison bad for humans? The components found in the plants do not pose any harm to humans as the practices started way back in the ancient times. It was one of the most primitive ways for people to fish before the current development and new methods. The next one is fish spear. Fish spearing techniques only look easy in the movies. Beyond your experience and aim, this is more difficult simply because of the nature of the body of the fish. For you to employ this method, you will really need to be smart and accurate and understand light refraction. There is a lot to be said for balance here as well as being able to recover the spear. The use of the weir above makes this a less frustrating experience. Also, looking for still coves and pools and running water as even fish like to take a break occasionally. Then the basket trap. Get a container with shaped like funnel at the entrance to your basket trap. You can make a trap using a plastic bottle or jug. The funnel should be wide enough to arrest the size kind of fish you are seeking. Before you adopt this method, there are several factors to consider including the size of the fish, their habit, and location. After that, you can lay the trap to fit their specific nature and improve upon your chances for successful fishing. Apart from using bottles to make minnow traps, you can also use wooden materials to prepare the trap as well. So there's, again, pictures here you'll be interested in. Using basket traps will help you catch fish such as catfish. As long as you pay attention to the characteristics of the fish in place, there's no room for regrets adopting this method. In the event that such materials aren't available, adopting alternative creative measures would benefit you a lot. Go for materials that don't wear out when placed in water. The same material should also be able to form resistance from the water force for the trap to be effective. I don't know if you've seen those videos like on social media or whatever. I, I see them a lot on Facebook uh, where people and it's usually other countries have made, you know, various different kinds of traps and things like that. Very, very interesting. 
uh, some of those. Now, the fish are usually smaller, but uh, very interesting the way that they, they take plastic bottles and they just kind of rig it all up and uh, they come away with a, a, a lot of fish. So that's really cool. Uh, if you get a chance to watch one of those videos, you definitely you know just watch it. All right, so uh, then there's hand fishing. Just like the sound of its name, it means grabbing the fish using your hands. You will have to get out of your comfort zone into the muddy water for a catch. You can put on your gloves and tread the area suspected to contain fish. On spotting one, bounce at it with your hands and smile your way out thereafter. This technique can be very tiring, especially in a circumstance where the fish keeps slipping out of your grasp. Best to just fling it up on the shore as soon as you have the leverage. The technique also requires you to have lots of energy because it literally means chasing after the fish. However, looking at it positively, it can give you lots of fun, especially when fishing in a group. The method is actually one of the most primitive ways of trapping the fish. Hand fishing has several other names depending on your location geographically. Some of its popular names include fish tickling, noodling, stumping, gurging, and hogging, among others. Do you want to get fish for survival? If so, dive on in and jump for any opportunity that presents itself. It might just turn out to be surprisingly fun at the sound of it. It would also be good to distinguish between fish and, say, water moccasins and alligators. So whichever method you may decide to go for, just know that you are out for a kill in order to survive. Avoid frustrations that might pop up during the event by carrying out more research on the kinds of surroundings you expect to be in in order to be able to tell which kind of fish to expect. Also, the kind of water sources to look out for, including their accessibility. As with everything, the more information you get, the better your chance for you to make the right decision in the midst of conflicting choices. Um, the basket the basket approach, I remember, and I've talked about it before, there was an article really early on in Prepper website uh, that I linked to, and uh, there was a guy who just kind of survived out there for a while, and he he one of the ways that he survived was was uh, he made a basket a, a, a basket trap a fish trap, and uh, they just you know he used that over and over and over again, and it just worked for him. So if you ever find yourself in a situation like that, definitely you might want to go. Uh, you know, make one of those if you are in a, a nice size river or, or a big, big pond or whatever. The other thing is, you know, you might want to go check out those uh, different plants that cause fish to uh, just, you know, just, I guess, become inactive and float to the top. Uh, really crazy thought there, but you might want to go check those out. So again, that's over at theprepperjournal.com. And like always, I link to the articles in the show notes so you can go right to or straight to the article from uh, from the show notes or you can pop over to the prepper website podcast.com and click on episode 251 and uh, get there as well all right so our next article of the podcast comes to us from beans bullets bandages and this article is entitled dealing with diabetes when the stuff hits the fan and i'm telling you this is one uh, diabetes is one of those um, types of articles right that is very uh, gets gets a lot of attention because there's people out there with diabetes. A lot of people have family members. A lot of people have no people with diabetes, and uh, they're they're insulin dependent. And so, uh, if you've read one second after, you know uh, you know you know how important it was in that book. And then again, uh, you have family members, and I have a family member who has diabetes who is insulin dependent. 
And so this thought has always crossed my mind. This has been something that we have always tried to put into place uh, for, for this family member. It's one of those things where you, you want to get as much information as you possibly can. And so I, I do like the articles over here at Beans, Bullets, and Bandages, and you because uh, they do research and they also, so it's not just opinion, right? They do research and they'll link back to that research. And so, uh, you know, something like this where, you know, there's information that's, that's important and it's medical. Uh, although they'll tell you, they'll have the disclaimer on there, we're not doctors or whatever. I mean, it's good for you to be able to go do some more research if it, this is a topic that you're interest, interested in. So let's go ahead and read this one. Again, uh, dealing with diabetes when the stuff hits the fan. When the stuff hits the fan, a serious health crisis is going to hit a large section of the U.S. population in a big hurry. Over 8% of Americans have diabetes right now. About a third have prediabetes, which means that their blood sugar metabolism is messed up, but not yet bad enough for a diagnosis. And sad to say, a crisis would kick some of these people teetering on the brink of diabetes right over the edge. This article is about type 2 diabetes, both because it's far more common than type 1, and there's a lot more that's useful to be said. I'm not a physician, nor do I pretend to be one on the internet, so this isn't me telling you how to handle your disease. This is me, a person who has some professional knowledge of human body function and disease, making some observations from a prepper's point of view. First, why bother? Is taking care of diabetes or avoiding developing it worth worrying about when things are falling to pieces? Yeah, unless falling apart faster is the goal. Specifically, if diabetes is not under control, blood sugar gets really high, the person starts dumping sugar out in the urine. Problem one, this wastes calories, a pretty serious problem among preppers who spend so much effort making sure they have enough food around. Problem two, when sugar is dumped so is extra water, leading to dehydration. That produces a need for more water intake, compounding the work of purification. And if intake isn't increased enough, the risk goes up for heat stroke, low blood pressure, and eventually kidney failure, coma, and death. Additionally, in the short term, both inappropriate blood glucose and dehydration degrade people's function. Fuzzy thinking, forgetfulness, irritability, fatigue, and lack of energy and related performance stealers are all common. In the long term, no one wants to go there. Even with treatment available to most people, diabetes mellitus is the leading cause of kidney failure, blindness developing in adults, and non-trauma amputations. It's a giant promoter of heart attack and stroke too. The need for amputation would only increase if antibiotics are limited as people with poorly managed diabetes get far more infections of wounds, particularly in the feet. So what can you do about it if healthcare isn't available? First, keep track of your blood sugar. It will probably not be just like usual, especially since stress responses increase blood sugar and make it hard for your body to use that sugar. Isn't it nice that you can check sugar now with those nifty, easy-to-use meters? Isn't it muck swill that those same meters require batteries? They still make glucose test strips that don't, fortunately. You'll also need an easy-to-use, clean way to draw the blood, such as a stock of lancets such as one shown below. Don't forget the rubbing alcohol to sterilize the skin first, and if you have fewer lancets than test strips, you can keep them in alcohol to sanitize them too. Pay attention to how you feel at different readings. Your supply is not endless. 
If you're on medication, then talk to your doctor about laying in a bit of reserve, wanting to get a bit ahead because of travel and life interruptions, such as being on the road or stuck because of storms or whatever, all are all good reasons that don't make the average person flip out. Also, in the prep phase, you need to consider your diabetes when you lay in your food supplies. Refined carb products, pasta, crackers, rice, potatoes, sugar, are both way cheap and naturally stable, so they figure very heavily in many prep food offerings. So what's to be done? Whole grains are a more diabetic-friendly food than refined versions. Whole wheat by the Pell will outlast the buyer. Don't forget the grinder. Popcorn is cheap in bulk and lasts a long time too and can be ground. Dehydrated vegetables can be made at home for cheap or bought for not cheap. Dried squashes and tomato slices make a nice sub for chips when you get a dip handy. Dip you say? Salsa mixed with canned refried beans is dead easy and storable too. Beans in any form are a winner. Nuts and seeds are low carb, high in good quality fats, calorie dense, and fairly stable. One commentator to this site, sorry I remember your comment but not your name, uses a jar of peanut butter as the bug out bag food source. That's a lot of very shelf stable and easy to carry calories with no blood sugar bump. Do not underestimate the value of exercise. Exercise lowers blood sugar directly, unsurprisingly as you, your muscles use the stuff. More importantly, it encourages your cells to use the sugar that is there, potentially reversing the core problems of type 2 diabetes. It also helps lower body fat. Excess body fat promotes type 2 diabetes. Some folks lose the diabetes when they lose the weight. Sure, some types of emergencies may lead to weight loss, like it or not, but inability to get food is not what a prepper is going for, A eh? Pro tip. Most of this stuff, including the food suggestions, exercise, and weight loss, do a great job of discouraging diabetes from developing in the first place. People who were pre-diabetic but followed these kinds of suggestions were only about half as likely to progress to full-on diabetes, according to the CDC. Wouldn't it be much better not to have to worry about any of this in the first place? And so there's a couple of uh, links there that you can go and uh, check out there. So this is a good article and always one that people who are, you know, dealing with, again, like I said, dealing with diabetes or have family members who are dealing with diabetes, uh, you know, you're trying to get information. Uh, This is always one of those good ones, uh, you know, to, to start on your research. And definitely, if you have a family member and you're concerned, it's not enough just to read one or two prepper articles. You need to really get into it and start doing some real Uh, research on how you can help your family member survive if you ever were in a situation like that and so uh, you know there's there's some things that you can do definitely um, but you know they're going to want to have to do some things as well but you can prepare as much as possible especially if there's someone that's really close to you and uh, you know you you really want to try to take care of them as much as possible Uh, you know a little bit of research would go a long way there All right, guys, so every Thursday I do a conflicted scenario. And so for those of you who are new, conflicted is a card game. And on the on the back of every card, there is a scenario that uh, you get to answer. And uh, the answer is going to be or the scenario is going to be conflicted. And so this your answer to your to this scenario is going to be conflicted. And so some people, uh, you know, really need to think uh, about what they would do. And so it's just a game. It's a way to kind of think things through and see where you are in it. 
Don't do what some people do that they respond back to me and they say, Todd, that's, I would never find myself in that situation. And, and granted, you probably wouldn't. Uh, anyone who is listening to this, uh, to this podcast probably wouldn't find it, you know, find themselves in that situation because they're trying to become more prepared, right? So, uh, but what I, what I always suggest is, you know, with what you know about preparedness right now, and there's people who listen that, you know, you're in it 10 years plus, and there's people who had just started pre- prepping just this week, you know, just listening to this podcast. So with what you know about preparedness and being in this scenario, what would you do? Now, the scenario for today is not really a preparedness-minded one. Uh, you really don't have to be prepped for this one. It's just a decision that you would have to make, and uh, you have to come to terms with you know, what you would do. And so, again, it's titled Mercy on the Dying. So you already get, get an idea of what uh, this scenario is going to be about. So uh, let me go ahead and read it. I usually read it twice. Uh, but the idea is to, you know, think through what would you do? And uh, n- there's the easy answer of just kind of spitting out the answer and saying, okay, I would do this. But then maybe there's a perspective that you're not really thinking about. And maybe, you know, thinking through that will help you. And I, I just think that it's always uh, very valuable to be able to, to critically think and think through scenarios. So anyway, uh, here's the scenario. One of your friends has been shot in battle, and a field medic told you he will be paralyzed from the neck down for the rest of his life. This is a post-apocalyptic world you are living in, and your friend asks you to please have mercy on him and put him out of his misery. His wife and kids have already died, and all he wants to do is to be with them instead of living in a world as unforgiving as this. Would you have mercy on your friend and kill him, or would you let him live? Why? All right, so let me read that one more time. One of your friends has been shot in battle and a field medic told you he will be paralyzed from the neck down for the rest of his life. This is a post-apocalyptic world you are living in and your friend asks you to please have mercy on him and put him out of his misery. His wife and kids have already died and all he wants to do is to be with them instead of living in a world as unforgiving as this. Would you have mercy on your friend and kill him or would you let him live and why? Again, so that's over at Ed That Matters. I always post the, the scenarios over at Ed That Matters. So you can think through that scenario and come up with, you know, your reason why you would or why you wouldn't. And, uh, you know, you're, you're good there. Maybe you're driving in a car with someone and you can talk it over with them. But if you'd like to come over to Ed That Matters and share your ideas or your thoughts on, uh, you know, how you came up with uh, your answer, you're welcome to come on over and uh, drop it in the comment section. Uh, so that again, that's over at edthatmatters.com. And like always, it'll be in the, in the show notes and you can go directly to that. All right, guys. Hey, that's it for the Thursday podcast. Thanks so much for being a part of it. Uh, I always do appreciate uh, you and your listenership and uh, just means the world to me. And so if you get a chance and you haven't, I'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Uh, you know, I'm always into connecting online and learning from other people. That's why I like our Facebook group so much. And if you haven't joined the Facebook group, just go ahead and come on over. I have a link in the show notes or on the website. You can click on free Facebook group. It'll take you over there. Click join and we'll get you in there so you can be a part of our group. Uh, We'd love to have you there. With that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.